Welcome to IT Analyst Relations Tools, a podcast of HFN Analyst Relations. Today's topic, trends in the IT research industry. We are in the middle of a very cautious economic climate, so it's an exciting time in the analyst industry. In this cast, we are looking at the most important trends in the IT research industry. Duncan Chappell from Lighthouse Analyst Relations and I have identified six important trends that are influencing the analyst business. If you like this cast, you can subscribe to it at viewpoints.hfn-ar.com or go to iTunes and search for IT Analyst Relations Tools. Duncan, I'm happy to have you on the phone right now. Um, and we thought about this before. We, we wanted to do a short podcast about the trends in the IT research industry. Hi, Duncan. Hi, Marius. Thanks Hi. so much for inviting me. It's a fantastically exciting time in the, in the analyst industry. So I think it's a, a very good time to be having this discussion. Many things are changing right now. And um, AR managers watch how different trends happen and, and the world changes or seems to change. And um, maybe as a little explanation for the people who are listening to the, to the cast, we decided that Duncan and I will um, talk about three interesting trends we, we, we are seeing in the industry. And these trends might be on, on different levels, but what it has in common is it's really some trends that are they won't go away. And I think this, this is an important point here. So maybe, Duncan, you can start with your trend and then I, I will talk about another trend and we go, you know, ping pong. I, I think it's a good way to do it because I think the trends that, that, we've, that, we've, that we've picked up actually have a kind of mirror. That the three points that I think I'm going to be talking about are more about changes on the, on the industry side, on the analyst side. How, mm -hmm. how are things changing for analysts? And I think as, as businesses, and I think a lot of what you are talking about is really about the interaction between the, the analyst and the user of analyst research. Mm -hmm. how, how are things changing in the way that analysts and end users are collecting information and, and how are they deciding on the themes that are emerging? So I think there's a kind of parallel between demand and supply, between consumption and production. The, the first point that, that I want to make is that there's growing demand for analyst services and that that growing demand is particularly seen at the divisional level. So what, what, that, what that conclusion comes from is a survey that, that, we did, that we've done over the last couple of months where we've been speaking to analyst firms and trying to find out what's the perspective of, of industry analysts about how the analyst business is changing. And actually, analyst firms are very open about discussing, well, well or at least they're open with us, uh, about discussing what kind of changes are they seeing in the market. We've had about 55 firms so far respond to our survey. And obviously, because we're in the middle of a, of a, of a very cautious economic climate, naturally we're, we're seeing some analyst firms under, uh, under some price pressure. But what we're seeing is rising demand for analyst services. So this means that the organizations that are using industry analysts are using them more. They're using them more deeply uh, at different stages in the, uh, the decision-making cycle, even if at the same time they're trying to squeeze analysts down on price. So this means that the people uh, in organizations that are subscribing to analysts are, are typically trying to 
uh, either either keep pricing stable or, or, or push it down. But actually what we're seeing is that, that the use of analysts is really growing, particularly in the areas where analyst research is seen as being most critical for business outcomes. What's interesting in our research is that we found uh, that a lot of analyst firms in the past have spoken about insight as being very much about the future, very mission critical, all about the big picture. But actually that is not what we found when we've spoken to analysts about where the value seems to be highest. Actually, the, the value of analyst insight seems to be highest at the, at the level of a division, at the level of a business unit. So, so maybe strategically at a relatively uh, uh, modest level, but actually very profoundly aligned with the current business problems that people are facing. So what we're seeing is less use of analysts on, on the big picture things and people really trying to focus on the decisions that they're doing now, trying to see what they can do to make them right. And in that space, it really seems to be growing demand for analyst services. So if I may ask you about this, this is quite interesting. You said like firms are using analysts more, but at the same time they try to squeeze them concerning the prices. Uh, do you have any explanation for what happens there? I mean, obviously, you know, if, if demand is growing and supply doesn't necessarily grow, then price should even rise. But how, how is the me mechanism there? Yeah, what I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, a very, it's a very interesting situation. And it comes into some of the points that I know you're going to make about the economics of the analyst industry uh, later on. The complication is that... Um, Organizations that are using uh, analysts are, uh, and organizations that don't, actually. Uh, you know, the all, uh, all commercial organizations seem to be under uh, very substantial stress. So they're really pushing to cut, to cut budgets on everything as much as they can do. And this also means that organizations are trying to make the most out of what they already have. So it might mean, for example, that instead of a company that, that's got a question about something going on, say, in the banking industry, instead of paying extra to go to a specialist firm, uh, as they might have done in the past, like going to something like Tower Group, instead they'll be going to a big firm that they might already have a retained arrangement with, like a, you know, a, a Hoover or Forrester or Gartner, some, some, some larger organization. So this means that oh, people are trying to spend less additionally, and they're trying to get more out of their additional subscriptions. And obviously, they are also negotiating much harder. There's there's big uh, big uh, big uh, disputes mm -hmm. over over a number of contracts that people have got coming through, and we're seeing a lot of people saying that they want to take a quarter off or they want to cut analysts off the roster. So it actually means that analysts, uh, analyst firms, are sort of being cut by scissors. You know, uh, upward pressure in clients' demands, which pushes up the cost to, to service uh, the clients of analyst firms. But then also, generally, uh, most uh, most buyers of analyst services are putting a cut, uh, sorry, are putting a cap on their spending. They can't afford to increase their their investment in analysts, even if they are increasing their use. So it's really a very unfortunate time to be an investor in, the, in an analyst firm, unless you're something like Gartner or Forrester, where you've got relatively inelastic demand uh, for, for your services, which means that you can actually continue to rise prices, uh, even if overall the demand uh, for analyst services is growing modestly. And at this point, I'd go... Yeah, I think I'd, I'll explain a trend that 
I see, where, where I see it happens quite a lot at the moment, which yeah is, is exactly what you mentioned before, the economies of free or the economics of free, where the price of zero or where you have an uh, abundance at the, and the price of, of zero. And it happens there where the marginal cost that you have for producing one more piece for one more client is hitting zero or is almost zero. And it was kind of, it was an interesting conversation we had with different analysts um, amongst, or, or for example with Forrester, also Gardner, IDC. And there were some of the major analyst firms um, we discussed with. Many told me that one of the biggest um, competitors they have seems to be Google right now. And of course, and I think you, Duncan, mentioned this once, this, this can be also, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that Google is a competitor of, of analyst firms because you could also argue that their consulting hasn't evolved like they want, want it to be. However, we see that many people or many end users as well, many organizations, um, Google what they need to, for example, have an insurance internally or to, to Google kind of a white paper together to make their point internally or, for example, to get information from sources uh, there as well, uh, EITO, the European Research Organization. Um, there are always sources where you can get research for the price of zero, for the price of free. And there's someone who has seen this trend way before in the whole industry. It's Chris Anderson. He is an um, American journalist and um, he is also explaining that the free part of it should be used to generate a lot of awareness and to advertise for yourself. For example, if you are in the IT research industry, it's possible to, to give research away for free and there are many uh, organizations uh, doing this. Uh, but on the other hand, the, the free stuff is used later to sell what you cannot give away for free and this is your time or, or for example speaker opportunities or consulting that you are doing. Google doesn't allow you to have perfect customized consulting so this whole economics of um, the price of zero I think it will change a lot in the industry and the internet has made a lot of stuff available for free and I think more research organizations are understanding that the user is not ready to pay for things um, that can be distributed at a very low price. Many people don't care too much about the effort you had to put in to, to do some research. Their main point is often, you can sell this so many times, selling it one more time doesn't cost you anything. And many people will have to change their thinking and it, it will be a change to many business models and it is also a possibility for many people to really raise their awareness in the market. And it might be especially a, a business opportunity for very small analyst houses. For example, we, we were talking with um, James Governor today and obviously he has a business model um, where he gives research away for free um, on, a, on a big scale, but on the other hand, other things don't come for free, his time, his consulting and so on. Yeah, it's, a, it's an absolutely fascinating development and 
in, in a way, it's an acceleration of, of what we've seen in the analyst industry previously in the form of white papers. Uh, you know, yes. often, often white papers exactly. were, were, um, were given away. But now, it's very interesting to see uh, this, um, uh, th this kind of logarithmic development in particularly, as you say, smaller analyst firms who are trying to establish themselves, who are giving away their research. It's, it's interesting, you know, the, the, Chris Anderson, the, the journalist you talk about, obviously he's, he's well known as the, as the author of the, of the, of the long tale. And, yeah, and, exactly. And, and, and the point that he's really making is that when, when the marginal cost of something is, is pretty much zero, you know, you've, you've written a report, it costs you, you know, less than, a, less than a cent to give it away, then the smart thing to do is to treat it as zero and try to give it away in order to sell something else. That's exactly the point he's making yeah. there. Now, yeah. I, and, and then, oh, sorry. No, well, yeah, I, I just wanted to make the point that I think what a lot of analyst firms are starting to see is that actually there are two, that there are two other things that, that, that free stuff can help sell. Firstly, it can help sell their own consulting services. But secondly, it can help sell things for vendors. And that's why if you look at the organizations that are giving stuff away, either they're doing it in order to um, either, either, either directly or indirectly expand their channel into market and to help people to identify solutions that their consulting services can help. Uh, they're helping, uh, often what they are trying to do is give away information that helps people to identify problems in their own organizations for which analysts' consulting services are the solution. But of course, there's also the other side that often you get organisations uh, exactly like James Governors, where uh, a large part of their revenue comes from vendor organisations who are sponsoring them in the hope that what they will write will help develop the market for the technology solutions that those vendors are generating. So when you're giving something away free in order to sell something else, you can either sell something else to the people who are consuming what you're giving away for free, or you can sell something else to somebody else whose who's, who's incentive it is, is for you to be able to give it away. You know, But then there's also a kind yeah. of footnote, which is that if your research doesn't help sell something, then actually uh, it's, it, it's very hard for somebody else to pay you to do it. So imagine if you're the kind of analyst who comes out with bad news, with cautious news, uh, you know, then actually the, the vendor community, which is a major backer, isn't going to be paying you probably to, uh, to be able to, to say that. So it's difficult to see how far it will scale. And also credibility, of course, is very uneven. Uh, you know, that's some stuff that's free comes from absolutely fantastic people with great insight, but, but others comes from people who, whose reputation isn't so strong. And there, yeah, exactly. At this point, it depends so much on your on your business model. Um, when you are the uh, independent um, analyst who is awakening people or who is, you know, uh, looking at problems in in the um, in the industry, or, or you don't have the best news always, and people want to pay for this because they want to know where are the problems. You shouldn't. Then, then maybe that might mean for your business model that you should, for example, sell something like this as consulting. It might mean that you you are better off selling this as uh, speaker slots and not, for example, as um, uh, as a PDF file where, where the buyer says, "But come on, you you can you can d 
distribute this PDF file so many times and that shouldn't cost something. So it's um, an interdependent problem maybe. Um, also, <laughs> there are these examples where people produce, um, for example, a PDF. And in this PDF, um, there's advertising for the services of a certain vendor. So the, there um If, if you if you if you manage to distribute uh, the free PDF um, many thousand times, and if you have a good click-through rate, um, that can mean a tremendous um, a tremendous advertising value for for vendors, which is of course not the typical analyst business, but um, it can be for certain companies. And if it's also if, if you can recognize this, you know, if if you put on such a white paper or if you put on a paper that this is sponsored, um, it can be it can still be of value for 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 end users, for example, and um, and it can direct uh, the right people to the right services. For the next part of this cast, go to viewpoints.hfn-ar.com or use iTunes and search for the IT Analyst Relations Tools podcast.